0: means that there are two episodes this week of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. The first is a pop-up available now with Las Vegas bookmakers and horse players Chris Andrews, Johnny Avello, and Dwayne Colucci. They analyze all 10 horses in this weekend's race. Friday's regular episode from Baltimore features Hall of Fame trainer D. Wayne Lucas, Medina Spirits exercise Rider Humberto Gomez, uh, and Maryland Jockey Club TV host Naomi Tucker. Both episodes will be available for download at heason.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts and is sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Betting Across America. We are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host out here in Vegas. Your other host, James Salinas, out there in Denver, Colorado, and happy to bring on to the program. uh, He is a two-time Super Bowl winning champion. uh, Bryant McFadden host of CBS uh, Sports HQ and host of all things covered podcast which is making uh, a little bit of news here lately. Brian, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's get to that podcast. You recently had uh Teddy Bridgewater on. Let's take a listen to what he had to say.
1: I'll just say this for for Joe Brady's
2: growth. I think man like that organization they'll have to like just practice different things. You know, in, in in different ways. um like one of the things we didn't do much of when I was there, we didn't practice two minute really. We didn't practice red zone.
0: You know, well, so it was the most yeah. important. Well, fact. What? That's yeah, what you, you know. used to have
2: a whole a whole day devoted for two minute yeah. in red zone. That's Thursday like, practice. Yeah, I mean it's you know, I guess the game is becoming about science, you know, and you trying know. to keep guys healthy. So yeah. like you, you didn't practice on Fridays there, but you walk what? through like the red you walk through the red zone stuff and then Saturday you come out and practice red zone, but you only get like fifteen live reps and guys oh, reps will all be the way. Yeah. Understand. So I mean, you know, that's the that's the unknown, but you know, I'm I'm a pro man. <laughs> I I could sit up here and throw all that out
1: throw all of that
0: out there, but at the end of the day, that won't get me nowhere, man. Ryan, that was an exclusive. That was awesome to hear that from Teddy Bridgewater. That's what you call pulling back the curtain. I want to get your thoughts on what he had to say right there.
2: Uh, I was surprised um, and the issue that I have. I think the Carolina Panther fans, there are a lot of Carolina Panther fans that, you know, They're attacking Teddy Bridgewater. They've become a bit sensitive to that statement. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't think that statement should warrant all the criticism that he's receiving from some Panthers fans because initially he said for Joe Brady's growth, it would be good if they can practice some different things. And the thing about Teddy Bridgewater before becoming the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, he was in New Orleans with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, two ideal players. Offensive personalities. Two guys that we all would argue were will eventually go into the Hall of Fame because of what they've done in the National Football League. So being in that organization, it's safe to say Teddy saw the correct way to do things offensively, the correct way to prepare from seeing it from two of the best to do it in the National Football League in Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So going to a new organization with a first year head coach, a first year OC who came from the collegiate ranks, of course, they probably were doing things differently than what most pros have grown accustomed to seeing in the National Football League. So I didn't take it as a slight to the organization. He just said, you know, for the play callers growth, it would be great if they can do things a little different, uh, do things differently than what they did last year.
1: Hello, Brian. James Salinas out here in Denver. So I want to stay with that. I want to get your perspective as a former player. When we're talking about, you, know, you talked about the 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 preparation and what that looks like and what happened there with the Carolina Panthers last year. I'm wondering, thinking about coaches coming from college, jumping into the NFL, the learning curve. Pritch and I were just talking earlier about uh, when we talk about rookie head coaches coming in the NFL, As as far as a betting perspective for me, I'm usually looking to fade those guys early. Now thinking about urban meyer coming to from college to the nfl what do you suspect the learning curve is going to be not only for college coaches but in particular for urban meyer now coming to the nfl
2: It's, it's it's a it's a different situation um the best way i could you know explain this to guys who may have never played in a professional locker room jv compared to varsity you know, playing junior varsity in basketball, football, baseball, whatever the sport is, it's a different level. It's a different game when you get up to the big leagues, which is considered to be varsity. And that's where you see a lot of these first-year coaches, especially coming from the collegiate ranks, they struggle, especially if they have young players in key positions. Watching and seeing what is happening in Duval, granted the personnel, they're getting better, but the personnel lacks experience. The best way to have a young team that have young key contributors be successful, have a nice mix of savvy vets that can help them learn in the locker room, on the football field, that can help the coaches as well. One of the best things that Sean McVay did his first few years in Los Angeles with the Rams was he hired experienced coaches to help him. Having Wade Phillips on that staff was a blessing for Sean because he was able to utilize a former head coach who's been around the N- game of football in the NFL for such a long time. And that helped his growth and that allowed him to do what? Focus more of his attention on the office of N. And the same can be said for his the, the, the other coaches on his staff. So for, for me, looking at Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Travis ETN, uh, getting Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, from detroit is a huge plus he's been around the game for quite some time uh i expect to see some growing pains um but most importantly for them they just they can't make it easy for the opposing teams but i never love attacking rookie quarterbacks early in the season com- combined with a rookie uh, coach early in the season when it comes to betting because me personally the odds tells me those situations usually do not work in the favor of that organization who has a first-year head coach combined with a first-year quarterback.
0: We're speaking with Bryant McFadden, a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, CBS uh, Sports HQ host of All Things Covered podcast, which is outstanding. Uh, Bryant AFC North, you know, a little bit about that uh, division, uh, some tough teams, three teams went to the playoffs last year. Uh, I think people this year from a betting perspective, maybe discounting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the season 2021 season for the Steelers?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the win total for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Currently is one, If not, I mean nine, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. A very difficult, daunting schedule. Eight and a half. So they got to get nine wins for you. And looking at that eight and a half number, remember, there's an extra game to be played this season. So it's not just 16 games. It's 17 games, which would be wonderful for guys who are taking the over for their respectable teams when it comes to the win total. I love Pittsburgh being able to get nine wins. I mean, that has been a a, a given for Mike Tomlin. I mean, for a coach who's never had a losing record, getting nine wins has been a given for Mike Tomlin. And the most important thing about this team, if they can stay healthy, something they did not have the luxury of having last year, they should be able to get nine wins. I agree with you. Very, very difficult, difficult division. Uh, Three teams made the playoffs last year. Safe to say I wouldn't be surprised if we saw three teams once again. But for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they can find a way to start off fast, that first ball game at Buffalo, is going to tell us a lot about the Steelers. And then you have the Raiders, you have the Bengals, you have the Packers, you have the Broncos. I mean, very, very, you know, not difficult schedule, but it's not the easiest schedule. But nine wins for me, they should be able to get nine wins. I see nine wins on that schedule, if they're healthy.
1: Right, right, let's stay in that division, AFC North, and let's talk about, I want to get your assessment of the Cleveland Browns, not only how they performed last year and the change, Pritch and I talk a lot about chemistry and culture and identity of teams, and I think we definitely saw a change in all three of those for the Cleveland Browns last year and a lot of momentum to build off of of how they played. And then I think a lot of offseason moves, not only in the draft, but free agency, especially on the defensive side, that they made some upgrades in particular at the secondary positions. Uh, How do you see the Browns building off of what they did last year rolling into 2021?
2: You know, it's it's tough for me to say this because I don't like Cleveland. Uh, I hated going to Cleveland for the draft, but I had to. But I got to keep it real. Andrew Brady has done a real good job in assembling nice talent. From the draft, from via free agency, he's done a great job. And one thing that the Browns currently have that we haven't been able to say in years past, they have structure, right? They have an offensive identity. They have structure on the defensive end. And week one is going to tell us who the Cleveland Browns are. I think their one total, if I'm not mistaken, is 10. Playing Kansas City, they're not afraid of Kansas City. Remember going back to the going back to that playoff game. They were a Daniel Daniel Sorsen no call on that personal foul hit that led to Kansas City kind of running away with that ball game. If they get that call when uh, Hollywood Higgins fumble, who 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 who's to say what would have happened in that ball game? So with me looking at that Week One game against Kansas City, then they have Houston, they have Chicago, they have Minnesota, they have the Chargers. September is going to tell us if the Cleveland Browns are the real deal. So I'll see that 10 win total. I, 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 I go, I go over. I think they won 11 ball games this year, uh, last year. I can see them winning at least 11 ball games again this season.
0: The other playoff team in that division, the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, they got a win total of 11 uh, Bryant. And and so, I don't know how much longer they can do it. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I'm a big fan. I think he's incredible. But I think they also have to evolve offensively. Uh, Were are you with the uh, Baltimore Ravens in 2021? I got to get under the covers. I don't
2: think they will win 12 ballgames. Very, very difficult, difficult division. Um, that first game Monday night, right in you guys' backyard out there in Las Vegas. Man, I'd love to be out there in that stadium <laughs> Monday night. Uh, but that's a tricky ballgame. And the reason why I go under with the Baltimore Ravens one-dimensional offensively what did they do to get better in throwing the football they tried to go get better they tried to go sign juju smith schuster they tried to go sign ty hilton both players declined to go back to their home team they brought in sammy watkins who's more injured than healthy so what did they do to improve their aerial attack they went out and used a first-round selection on bateman from minnesota talented player but is he ready to be the day one number one wide receiver for that offense. I'm not quite ready to say that. So if they continue to be more one-dimensional than balanced, they're going to struggle. Not struggle from the standpoint of not making the playoffs, but they will struggle to get 12 wins. So until I see that on film, until I see that consistently, I take the under. It's safe to say they may split the series, season series with the Steelers and the Browns. And you look at their, the rest of the schedule there on, the, on, on your screen, Difficult, difficult teams, playoff caliber teams. I love Lamar Jackson, but I believe so far in his career in Baltimore, the organization has done him a disservice in trying to help him. You saw what Buffalo did last year, right? They went out and got Josh Allen, a proven number one wide receiver. Look how he was. Look how he benefited from having Stephon Diggs in the lineup. And then this season, they go out and go get another experienced guy and Emmanuel Sanders. They are adding weapons to their up and coming quarterback. The Baltimore Ravens, they haven't done the same. So until I see otherwise, I don't see 12 games. I don't know if you guys see 12 games, but I don't see 12 games. They're a playoff caliber team. They will get into the
1: tournament, but winning 12 games, I go under. Bryant, you mentioned the Buffalo Bills, and I want to get your assessment of them. I think last year definitely going 13-3 and and getting all the way to the AFC title game against the Chiefs really exceeded expectations, especially the growth, and really it was interesting to see the growth last year for Josh Allen. Now... I think, in a sense, they were were the hunters last year. Now, as a contender in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl, that next step, they're kind of the huntee now. So, you tell me, how do you feel about this team meeting the expectations to be one of the contenders to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC?
2: I love the Bills. I'm a big-time Sean McDermott fan a quality sound coach, he doesn't get enough flowers, in my opinion. And, yes, you're correct. They were 13-3 last year, but they were a Hail Mary play away from being 14-2, right, against Arizona DeAndre Hopkins where he just mossed everybody in the end zone. This is a talented, talented team. I mean, they actually showed us something we haven't seen in a long time where their offense just was – they were willing to abandon the ground game and they still were effective. If Josh Allen continues to play like he did last year, This guy will be in the MVP conversation. I wouldn't be surprised to see him very, very at the top. When you talk about all the quality competitors that could be up for that MVP award, he might be at the top of the list. They they continue to add pieces. The defense got better. I love Gregory Russo in the first round. Talented player with a high, high ceiling. Uh, they added some more pass rushers to that team. Remember, that was the Achilles, Achilles Achilles heel for their team last year defensively. Couldn't rush the passer. Not to mention they were, deal- were dealing with a few injuries on all three levels. I love Buffalo. Their division will be more competitive. It will be more sticky, right? The New England Patriots will be a better team. Miami, we all believe they will be a better team, but we still have to wait and see what they will get from Tua Tungavaiiua and the New York Jets. Well, they're just, they're the Jets. Right? I knew you're you are going to really say that. Say, you don't have to say too much about the Jets. They're the Jets. I knew right? you are going to say but, that. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I love the Bills. I love where the direction they're going.
0: Okay, we got about a minute left. I got to ask you this last question here. Um, Super Bowl uh, prediction uh, champion, and then also uh, with the uh, added preseason coming back, how much uh, is that going to benefit the defenses this year? Fast start or no? it should help the defense. It should help the offense. I'm I'm happy to see preseason because we get a chance
2: to see some of these young stars, some of the young draftable players we saw get drafted a few weeks ago, some of the free agents. So they get an opportunity to really show what they can do to make this ball club. And Super Bowl prediction for me out in Los Angeles, Captain America, Tom Brady, uh, the ultimate bellwether. He's a guy that can lead any team to victory he showed the ability to, to do so so i got them representing the nfc and then the afc oh my goodness this is something <laughs> at afc i might go buffalo wow okay i mean i can change we're in may right yep. so if you guys follow up with me a little yeah. bit and
0: yeah we can season, change i might have a different we thing. can hedge yeah absolutely but,
2: but I'll, I'll go tampa and buffalo right now
0: all right there he is uh two time super bowl champion brian McFadden. that was awesome thanks for your time Thank you for having me. Of course. uh, That was great uh, right there, James. We're going to react to that uh, after the break and also uh, get into uh, Super Bowl. Not Super Bowl. How about NFL Draft 2022 preview? That's coming up next. going to hire indeed will help you speed up the process they have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster visit indeed.com credit welcome back to the show it's betting across america and we are presented by bet mgm mike pritchard james salinas your host today uh james uh, i know you enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed like i did uh betting the 2021 nfl draft well Lo and behold, we can bet the uh, the first overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. It's never too early for that, James. Uh, so here's the candidates. The 2022 NFL Draft, the number one overall pick will be Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, he's plus 250. Or Spencer Rattler, he's plus 300. He's a quarterback out there at OU. Sam Howell, quarterback again, plus 400. And another quarterback, Slovis, USC, uh, he's plus 800. Too early for you, James, or uh piggybacking off of the 2021 excitement
1: definitely too early from that standpoint <laughs> to get engaged now it's uh, what month are we in we're may so we've got a, a year to go i guess we can cash it there and leave it cuz the draft is going to be there in vegas so you can come back and pick that up uh, next year after the fact but i, I Looking at the teams, I think you you look at these odds. You have to consider first and foremost who do you think is gonna have that number one pick, and what would their needs be. Now, if you're are you looking at the def, uh, an edge ru, edge rusher there uh, to be the number one pick, depending on who it is. Now, think about the Jets a lot long way to go to to get out of that hole as well as Jacksonville. But I think the quarterback position is secured, and I think we'll see some more wins out of those teams, so they won't be in that first round. They they won't be that number one over overall pick in my mind here can you go anywhere else besides the Houston Texans and let's just assume Deshaun Watson is not going to be the quarterback of that team he obviously right. makes a big difference but if he's not there is looking up and down the the to me that's by far the the worst team you got a new coach coming in just as it's the team's is this the disaster so what do you need if you're the, if if you're the if you're the if you're the Texans going in you're going to need a quarterback position especially if Watson has now moved on uh, to me where do you go here Pritch I think I go further down the list I mean if we can get Trey Lance from North Dakota State to go third good athlete a lot of potential there what about a kid like Malik Willis out of out of Liberty one mm-hmm. of the Flames rolling in there right I, he was an interesting Player to watch last year. Right. threat. Terrific athlete. Big arm. Now they didn't have the, the notoriety because they weren't playing big games. I remember seeing that game against Virginia Tech last year that they took down, and, and he was a big piece of that all season long. So uh, if you can pick a kid out of North Dakota State to move all the way up to third in the draft, why couldn't you see a potential here with Malik Willis sitting at 14-1? to Because you know all these numbers are going to change, and as the season progresses, it's going to get wild out there. Uh, maybe that's the best number you're going to find as far as Malik Willis is
0: concerned. Right. I mean, if I learned anything from betting the 2021 draft was that these NFL teams, uh, they have an appetite for quarterbacks. Uh, It doesn't matter. Okay, we're picking 12. We're going to trade up to three. Uh, and get a quarterback. Mac Jones, he played one year. Trey Lance played one year. Experience doesn't matter anymore either, James. So uh, you're looking at all these quarterbacks at these numbers. I mean, I'm sure they're going to shift. But right now, uh, Slovis plus 800. You mentioned Willis, uh, 14-1. Uh, JT Daniels even, 14-1. You just never know what type of year these quarterbacks are going to have in college. Uh, and so we know that the league has the appetite for quarterbacks. And I mean, I don't know who's going to be picking number one overall. I don't know if that matters because these teams are willing to mortgage the future in order to get a quarterback.
1: Right. So uh, for for number one, for the number one pick, it's usually, and that's where you got to go. Because you're a bad football team, and <laughs> unless somebody's going to fall in there and want to trade out of that number one spot, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, that's where the holes were. I mean, we saw that fall out for, for the top two teams for sure. They've been struggling at the quarterback position to find somebody to be the face of that franchise. As, as to me, it's it's Houston that clearly is going to be that team. Would you take a shot at a player? You talked about, yeah, you don't have to have a lot of experience right? Be, not having a whole lot of games. James played, you talked about Mac Jones and also Trey Lance. You don't have to be playing in these big powered conferences right. to get this notoriety either. I mean, he, North Dakota State now is a great player there and they won a championship while he was there. But you're, it's North Dakota State. You're mm-hmm. not having to play at Alabama, in this case here, with a, a kid like Malik Willis playing with Liberty. They are independent and, you know, they don't have this stellar. They're not going to be on national TV uh, because of that. But I think that's completely irrelevant to your point.
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean, we have so many college concepts going, coming into the National Football League. Uh, Trey Lance, for instance, it didn't matter if he played uh, FCS, uh, FBS. It just didn't matter. You know, Matt Jones played at Alabama for one season. Really, uh, it just didn't matter because they want quarterbacks, and I think the transition is going to be easier for these guys now. They're not. They're no longer looking for those prototypical pro quarterback teams and. Uh, they're looking for dynamic playmakers, and we got a number of those kind of players in college football. So that'll be interesting for the 2022 NFL draft. Coming up, uh, betting NBA games can be difficult, but what about player props uh, in the association? Uh, we get to those coming up next. Preakness Saturday evening, and the VCN horse racing experts are analyzing the horses, jockeys, track conditions, starting positions, and prior race results to find the betting edge. Whether you play the horses every week or search the terms exacta and trifecta once a year, our team is here to help you make your best bet on the Preakness. Visit vcn.com/horses to find our full race coverage, special offers from our partners and picks from our horse racing specialists, including Dave Tooley, Ron Flatter, Jeff Siegel, Millie Ball, and Jeremy Plunk. That's vcin.com slash horses. Welcome back to the show. with Betting Across America. It's Mike Pritchard and James Salinas. So, uh, James, the NBA man. Good luck with that if you're betting games, right? And uh, I think uh, from this angle, looking at player props, because I I know you participate that way, another good exercise for us, I believe, in our audience uh, when you look at these uh, NBA player props. So let's start with uh, the Greek Freak uh, versus uh, Indiana. 28 and a half uh, total. The over minus 125, the under minus 105. Where do you stand here?
1: Rich, I think we really have to, if we're going to get into these this late, I mean, we've just got a couple games for these teams left. Yeah, We need to make sure, Does as this team, are these players going to play? And when they get on the floor, how much motivation is there to play a full four quarters, right? Mm -hmm. How many minutes are these starters in this case with Giannis? How many minutes is he actually going to get out there? Because what does this team really need to compete for? They're locked in at worst at the three seed where they're currently sitting in – Within the East. A game and a half back behind Brooklyn. I know they want to start to, they've talked about it because they really came off an ugly loss the other day at San Antonio. Gave up 146 points to a Spurs team that's been struggling and was on a back and forth road trip as well. Obviously no effort, no energy out of Milwaukee. And I think they really wanted to right themselves. So they were able to do that the next night and and redeem themselves now going into this. Is there a ton of motivation for Milwaukee to say, well, we're a game and a half back with just three to play? We really want that two seed right now, or we just want to keep ourselves get, keep ourselves playing well, keep in a rhythm, but we're also gonna be mindful of the minutes that we're gonna expend. And especially when you're talking about Giannis, not only minutes, but also it's not just about him trying to put the ball in the basket, get some other teammates. Involved, get some rhythm going for your teammates as well. Start getting some open looks and a lot of drives and dishes out, and let them get some shots going and see the ball go through the net. I would look here, just thinking. I don't know how many minutes he, Giannis, is going to play mm-hmm. here, but kind of just figuring the motive. I just don't know how much motivation there is to to play a full, you know, a competitive thirty-five, maybe even forty minutes out of him. I don't see that. I'd be looking to play the under.
0: Okay, because I was looking for an angle too. I, the, the under is legitimate play. Uh, minus 105 if you like that um, but I was looking at from this standpoint uh, you have the MVP probably up for grabs right now I think uh, even Charles Barkley mentioning uh, Julius Randall should be in a top five consideration for MVP right now so you're getting that and so you look at uh, the Joker out there in Denver 27 and a half uh, against Minnesota his total uh, over minus 110 under minus 115 is there some extra motivation there from an MVP angle
1: Potentially, I think for Joker, they asked him a while back about that. Wrote right, about a month ago when he started to become the front runner, especially when Harden got banged up and went down, and he really deflected that. And okay. I think for Joker, it's his. I don't know if that's his motive. His motive, I don't think, is for MVP. I think now he knows squarely that the pressure for him to for, for is on him for the Nuggets to compete into the playoffs because they don't have Mr. Clutch of what we saw last year in the bubble, which was Jamal Murray just hitting. Big shot after big shot, especially crunch time late in the games in fourth quarters to put Denver on that fantastic run in the playoffs last year. I think for Joker here it's he's going to do whatever the if he needs to score, he's going to look to score. If he needs to to feed the ball, he's going to look to feed the ball and get his teammates involved. And I think that's where here that's another big number thinking about going into this game, how many minutes really what is on the line here for the Nuggets? Do they want that 3 seed so much? I think with Minnesota the other part too is they have gotten healthier. They have been playing better and you do have Carl Anthony Towns on the on the interior as well. So interesting to see how that matchup goes. Right now, I just think with teams that you can say, if, if, if it's all about feeding, whether you're the two or the three or the three or the four, mm-hmm. to me, that's just not enough incentive for a player to really uh, to put out full maximum effort here, especially when we're just to the end of such a grinding season. That's another prop where I'd be if I'm betting this, I'm looking to play Jokic on the under.
0: Okay, and then Julius Randle with a point uh, total right there. It's 27 and a half. I mean, a lot of respect for uh, Julius Randle this year. How about assist, uh, this is interesting because Chris Paul uh, and the Suns, got, they got Portland. Uh, nine and a half assist prop. Uh, the over minus 120, the under minus 110. Chris
1: Paul's had double figures in assists five out of the last six games, and I think this is a game here. It's a perfect spot for Phoenix at home. Phoenix still have something to play for. Now we talked about do you want to be the two or the three or the three or the four. I think if you want to be the two or the one, absolutely. I think for a team like Phoenix, they have definitely spoken to that too. They want that number one seed sitting just a game and a half back of Utah, so they have an opportunity still. They're still hanging around because they also have the tiebreaker on the Jazz. So I think not only from that standpoint for the number one, Seed still in play for the Phoenix Suns, but then they've lost two games in a row. And I think there's a, an urgency for them to roll into the playoffs on a on, get some momentum back, get their mojo back, get their competitive legs back under them here. So I think we'll see a great effort out of Phoenix. The other side, Portland's been playing terrific the last handful of weeks. They've won nine out of ten, but in this case, uh, and they did, they helped this, the Suns out last night, right? Mm-hmm, they knocked right. off the Jazz in Utah, but now it's a back to back situation, not only back to back for Portland, but it's the, the back-to-back, but it's their fifth game in seven days. Mm-hmm. It's really a grind right now for Portland. I think a hero like Chris Paul will have plenty of opportunities not only to see the see the basket to put the ball in the hole but also get his teammates involved he's, he's been doing that like i said five out of the last six games double digit assists i can see him continue to be the facilitator getting that team rhythm ready to go need this game and also get prepared for the playoffs i bet the over
0: okay and then john morant uh, he's another guy that kind of sticks out on this list uh, seven and a half assist total uh, over minus 130 under plus 100
1: yeah, the, here's Memphis. Here's yeah. Memphis, where it's, <laughs> that's the struggle. That's the struggle with me right now with okay. a team like Memphis, where they, they've they've been they've been a little rocky too, up and down. I like Memphis. I I think I, with the roster that's constructed here, they're going to be a tough out once we get to the playoffs and where they currently stand in this race. What are they really going to play for? I think Morant, John Morant's one of those special players too, where he's not a terrific shooter. He wants to get the ball to the drive. He wants to. Drive that drive that ball to the cup, get out and transition, but also really facilitate. But in this case here, looking at looking at this prop pitch, I'm not really sure where I'd go. I, I think again, playing Sacramento, what do they have left to play for? Maybe they're still on the edge of that 10th playoff spot, but this could be a blowout city for Memphis potentially. I'd be looking for more points out of Morant than actually assists tonight. I think I think that's where I'd be again looking at the under for those assists for Morant.
0: Okay, always outstanding insight when it comes to player props. It doesn't matter to sport. James Salinas is on top of it. Uh, When we come back, uh, we're going to continue our breakdown of week one lines in the National Football League. That's coming up next. Bet on hockey and basketball playoffs with a risk-free first bet up to $600 at BetMGM. To sign up and use bonus code VSEN600, and get in the ring with the King Sportsbooks. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use promo code VSEN600 to make a risk-free first bet up to $600. It's a new customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions, must be at least 21, located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons, please gamble responsibly. If you feel you have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 1-800-270-7117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. and Tennessee, call or text the red line, 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMG. i Mike Pritchard. James Salinas with you today. James, wrapping up this um situation in the National Football League with uh, strength of schedule, that angle uh, as we go through not only week ones, uh, but certainly win totals too. So uh, Tampa Bay, we had Brian McFadden, two-time Super Bowl winner on the show earlier. He has him going to the Super Bowl, going back to back there, maybe not winning, but going at least. So the strength of schedule for Tampa Bay, the, the fourth lowest, I mean, their opponents 126, 145, and one. Uh, it's like the league wants Tampa Bay to get back to the Super Bowl. I think uh, they got everybody coming back. What do you make of this strength of schedule, the win total with the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers?
1: I think you're right, Pritch. We, we talked about how we start to look at these schedules, strength, strength of schedules for one, when they're playing opponents, whether it's weather-related and or where is that buy? And for me, that's the first thing I look at. Where's the buy for Tampa. Right in the middle of the season, how convenient for the Bucks, right there you go, sitting right at no, sitting week at nine. That to me isn't that the you talked about? Yeah, you don't want to have it too early, you don't want to have it too late. There it is, right in the middle, perfect situation for the Bucks. Uh, as well as look at some of the games that we. I, I also want to see the games leading up to that, the games after the bye. Look at when they play New England. They're going to mm-hmm. play New England early in the season, so not going to have to contend with weather there. They're already play warm weather and a lot of dome stadiums, so that's beneficial, not having to go play New England, say, come December. You know, that's going to be a great game when they roll up there to face the, his old teammates in the Patriots. But then after the bye for Tampa, they get to prepare and play Washington. So they get two weeks. They're going to finish up against New Orleans prior to in week eight. Then week 10, you're going to have Washington. So you know that's going to be a tough matchup, especially defensively, that they're going to have to face that Washington football team. They get a bye week to do that. So I I agree, Pritch. Just looking at how the schedule, what this looks like on paper here, yeah, this Strength of schedule is one thing. And then ultimately where they get to face some of these teams, mm-hmm. uh, very beneficial for the Buccaneers to uh, have a very good season when it comes to the record and position themselves to, to be in a, you know, really have a great position when they roll in to the playoffs uh, come January.
0: All right. Consider Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, that strength of schedule. Uh, I'm about to throw more fuel to the fire here with Aaron Rodgers going to Denver as we break down Denver's, uh, the Broncos strength the schedule. It is weak. James Salinas, 127, uh, 143 and two. Um, that was their opponents' uh, records uh, in 2020. Uh, so, from a strength of schedule standpoint, fuel to the fire that Aaron Rodgers is going to be looking for something similar to what Tom Brady has right now.
1: If that's who's going to be the quarterback, and <laughs> le- let's th- let's just say it's not. All right, Let- let's just stick with who you don't the cur- want or what the Denver, Tampa Bay in the Super like. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I I mean I think Denver on the defensive side, Pritch. Yeah, they've they've especially the secondary. They've done it's that secondary is going to be hard to throw the football on pass rush. You know, Chubb on one side staying healthy. I'm not really sure what we're going to get out of Von Miller going into this last season, coming off the injuries uh, that he's had. You know, it, it, he's not going to have nearly the the amount of snaps that he's had in the past. But looking going back to the schedule for Denver. At, let's just skip the quarterback position. We talked about them opening up on the road in New York. They also going to be the home opener for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And right. Be that as it may, it's still the Jaguars that have to, be, you know, are in rebuild mode. But if there's ever going to be one game that that, that fan base that they're trying to reignite again uh, with the coaching move and and getting Lawrence as the 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 top pick in the draft at the quarterback position here, yeah, this is going to be opening day for Jacksonville Jaguar today. Debut, the new look Jags coming out here and it's gonna be in September right you we know it's gonna be hot it's gonna be humid so thinking about that that game off the off the Giants now you're gonna have to go to Jacksonville to play that yeah t- record-wise, strength of schedule wise, not the toughest when it comes to, to to the win percentage total for those two teams that Denver has to open up with on the road. But I think situationally, that's really a challenge. You, We we know the weather, too, in New York and, and can be hot and humid sometimes in September. Definitely going to be an impact there in Jacksonville. What does that look like? How much does that drain them now having to go back-to-back back across the East Coast to play both teams in their home openers?
0: Yeah, I mean, that could be tough. Uh, we'll, we'll see what this uh, travel schedule will be certainly for the Broncos. Uh, you know, what's fascinating too, James, is talking to some former teammates of mine, uh, they are they are angry. The fact that the Broncos, uh, I'm looking at their primetime situation, uh, they have one primetime game. Uh, I think it's a required Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> so everybody's mad up in arms that they're not on Monday night football. At least former players Score are anyway. some
1: score some points when you are in prime time right. i think that's been the problem for denver every time they've been on prime time uh, and last year it was just a, it was a struggle obviously for bad season all the way around for the broncos injuries et cetera. but uh in particular on the offensive side and the struggles at the quarterback position uh, couldn't put the ball it couldn't score Mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's what you want to say. I think about last year with Monday Night Football, home opener. Now, they've always been good at home openers and it was uh, vi- virtually an empty stadium here in Mile High, but that game against the Titans, yeah, not the most entertaining game when it come to lighting up the scoreboard last year, and that's what's really what's happened with the Broncos. I don't know if you want to put them on primetime. You talked about setting it up there for Aaron Rodgers to come in, but I think looking at the league and the fact that of what they've done to Denver primetime schedule or lack thereof, I don't know. Does that can you read between the lines of what the league thinks is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? Because, yeah, you want to have Aaron Rodgers
0: in primetime. Uh, not not going to see it if he's playing for the Broncos this year. Yeah, they got the flex, though, James. That's their, that's their wild card right there. Uh, home field advantage, uh, that's going to come back to the Broncos. I mean, those fans, uh, if, if the Broncos can start off in the right direction, certainly, uh, I think Broncos country could probably get excited about this team.
1: That's been the struggle for Fangio since he's been here, right. not getting off to good starts. One in seven the last couple years getting started in September. So, key, yeah, look at the strength of schedule as far as win percentage goes from last year. Playing both New York teams. After that, you, you talk, we talked about going to the Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars for those two home openers. But now their home opener is going to be against the New York Jets. So, very advantageous there for at least strength of schedule-wise for those three games. Then it's going to get a little tougher. You're going to play back-to-back games home or the next game at home against Baltimore. And then you're traveling to Pittsburgh. So then you start to get more into the meat of the schedule where you're going to play Baltimore, Pittsburgh, the Raiders and that followed up with a game at Cleveland short week as well. That's the one primetime game short week after playing the, after you're playing Baltimore at Pittsburgh and home hosting the Raiders, you are going short week to have to go play Cleveland, then turn around on Halloween and get to play the Washington football team in that defense. So that's where the challenge of that schedule right there for the Broncos is going to be starting at week four through week eight.
0: Okay, uh, week one lines that, that stand out to me, I got to ask you about. Um, the Seattle Seahawks on the road against the Colts. Colts with a new quarterback. I'm trying to understand this line. It may be the whole home field advantage kind of thing. Uh, the three points going back to the home team. Maybe, James, but the Colts with a new quarterback, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks with that football team on the road, and yet they're the underdog in this one.
1: Let's let's see where Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson. We know what he's capable of, but now you've changed coordinators there offensively for Seattle. Heard some things rumbling, right? Where he started to Russell Wilson, that is, wanted to start to speak up. I he mean, heard these other quarterbacks having a voice and having some say into what what offense should look like, and also maybe particular what they should do when it comes to the coaching staff. Still, still feels like there's this disconnect with Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and the coaching staff there in Seattle, and now you're going to have to rectify that, go on the road in week one to play a Colts team. Yeah, new quarterback there for the Colts, but they had a new quarterback there last year, and for, for whatever it's worth with Carson Wentz, we know that at least if there's one thing, he doesn't have the mobility that he's had in the past be, be, with, through all the injuries he's had, but he, there's going to be some semblance of mobility compared to what they had last year with Rivers, the monolith that sat there behind center last year for the Colts, but I think the bigger piece is the Colts on the defensive side, and I think that's what we saw, especially uh, against the rushing game and being able to really the, the athleticism and the speed that they have with Buckner coming over and was able to command really a lot of double teams within those gaps in that running zone, the way that they attacked the running game and those linebackers got to clean up. I think that's going to be a, that's, that's a challenge for Seattle to have to go in there and win in week one. You talked about fans being back in the stands. there will right. definitely be fans back in Indianapolis, back inside the Dome to start the season. New quarterback with Wentz for sure, but not a new connection when he's coming back and being paired with Frank Wright as the coach.
0: Okay, and then are you echoing uh, Bryant McFadden about Buffalo, the Bills? Because they are a home favorite, big time, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one.
1: That is a really big, that. Yeah. Th- that is a big number, right? That is a big number sitting there with the Bills, but I just think we're going to see... Pittsburgh's finished off twelve and four season, but did not finish off well and right. really just ran out of gas injuries, et cetera. Looking at that offensive line, I think that's the biggest challenge for Pittsburgh coming into this season. Replacing the veteran leadership that they lost with Villanueva and Pouncy up front, A lot of moving pieces there with that offensive line. It's going to take them some time to get acclimated to as some symmetry as a team and their identity. Are they going to run the football? They drafted as such, but I think with Big Ben, the limitations we've seen out of the passing game, short passing game there, mm-hmm. tough to go into Buffalo. <laughs> Fans in the stands, they're going to be rocking. They're going to be pre-gaming for the whole month of Octu- or the whole month of August going right. into that game. That's a tough spot for the Steelers to open up going into Buffalo. Absolutely.
0: Great job, James. Enjoy yourself today, and we'll see you back here tomorrow uh, on the program. My guys in the desert coming up next. Do not go anywhere right here on VSTEN, D Sports betting Network.